Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We want to thank you for listening to this chapel message. Our mission at Southeastern is to seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. We hope that you enjoy this chapel message and that you will visit our website. It's www.sebts.edu. There you can learn more about our school and what the Lord is doing here. We hope you enjoy the message. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. I'm always honored for the privilege to be here and to be able to preach the Word of God. I'm so grateful to God for this seminary that is equipping students uh, in the Word of God to be able to share the message of God around not only here in North America, but around the world. Thank you for your commitment. God, he is working in your heart, he is working in your life, and he certainly has a plan for your life. Dr. Akins, to the staff, to the Falcon, to all of you, I do bring greetings from the Executive Committee of the Southern Baptist Convention. Our president is Dr. Frank Page. He also is the CEO, uh, Chief Encouraging Officer. He really believes that we have a task and a mission to be able to make sure that you as uh, students have the, uh, the ability to come to school as, as, at as lowest rate that possible because we are committed to giving through the cooperative program and raising a gift to the cooperative program. And so I'm grateful to God for the privilege to be here today. I've had a great experience ever since I arrived here on Tuesday. Uh, from the first experience as I walked into a hotel uh, and I saw a smiling face and and I spoke to this young man and he checked me in to discover that he is a student here at Southeastern Seminary. Brother Jake, thank you for making my uh, arrival very pleasant, even on Tuesday. Uh, I'm not going to be long, but if you have your Bibles, I'll call your attention to Hebrew chapter 12. Hebrew chapter 12, beginning at verse one. And I'm gonna ask you, if you don't mind, and if you are able, to stand to honor the reading of God's word. This is not my word, this is God's holy word, if you don't mind, to honor his word today. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance that race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Now, Father, I pray that you would speak intimately into our hearts and encourage us, Lord, to do what you have called us to do, but we ask this in the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. You may be seated. I'm reminded about a man who was a veteran. The story said this man one day found himself embedded in a foxhole in war. Bullets were flying over his head. And he heard a very familiar voice calling his name. The only thing the voice said that said, John, John, John. He discovered that his fellow comrade had been shot and was laying out in the open field. 
embedded in a foxhole was a sergeant. And the sergeant said to John, John, don't move. Please don't move. But the voice continued to cry out, John, until the voice grew very faint. And in desperation, he cried out one more time, and he said, John. By this time, John cannot handle it any longer. The story said, John, he raised up out of the foxhole only to be met by a bullet. He crawled to his friend, spent time with his friend, then crawled back into the foxhole bleeding. As his sergeant began to apply pressure on his wound, his sergeant said to him, Sarge, Sarge said to him, John, you have given your life for a dead man. The man was already dead. And John looked at him and he smiled and he said, Sarge, I want you to know before my friend died, he looked into my eyes and he said, John, I knew you would come. The question I must ask each of us this morning, how many people are calling our names? How many people who have never heard the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the 3,200 unreached people groups who have never heard the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who are dead in their trespasses, on their way to hell, sacrificing goats, animals, and everything imaginable, how many people are calling our name? And are we listening to the sergeant that tells each of us, don't move? But yet there is a very still voice calling us to go, to be obedient to what I have called you to do. He is reminding us even from this text that he has a plan for us to pursue. He tells us, he said, therefore, anytime you see in the Bible, therefore or wherefore, you need to ask the question, what is it therefore? And he said, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let each of us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily beset us. And let us run the race that is set before. He reminds us that God is calling us to run the race that is set before us. He was reminding us that there have been those who live this life of faith, who are in the cloud of witnesses, uh, sharing with us that you will find God trustworthy. You will find God obedient. You will find God will be do what He said He would do. Abraham was will tell you, live and walk by faith. Enoch will tell you to live and walk by faith. Noah will tell you, God may tell you to do some things that seem to be outrageous, but live and walk by faith. 
Moses would tell you, God might tell you to go and do something that you humanly impossible know that you cannot do, but walk by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but evidence of things not seen. God has a plan for your life, and he expects us to follow the plan and to live this life of faith. He goes on in the text and he tells us about others whom he does not have time to talk about, Gideon, Jephthah. He tells us that we got to live by faith. Men and women who gave their life for the faith, who were criticized, who were stoned to death, who were sown in half, whose names we do not even know, but they live and walk by faith. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us today lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run the race that is set before us. That's what the text is telling us this morning. He tells us that God has a plan for our lives. You are here because you are beginning, you are following the plan God he has for your life. Number two, he tells us in this text that God has a person for us to prepare. We must be equipped to do what God is calling us to do. In this text, he reminds us there are two things that we need to continue to work on. Number one, he said, let us lay aside every weight Wait. An athlete is going to run in a race. If you're going to run a marathon, you just should not get up one day and say that I'm going to run a marathon. You prepare to run the marathon. You do whatever necessary to, to get as much weight off that you can run effectively, that you can run well. And God is saying there are some weights in our lives that may be preventing us from running well. And whatever those weights may be, he is challenging each of us that we must lay aside every weight, whatever those weights may be. It may be that we spend more time watching sports, which has become a weight in our lives. And God is saying if watching sports is preventing you from running the race, then you need to lay aside that weight. And nothing wrong with watching sports. And what the text is telling us, it's nothing wrong with some of these things that might be weighing us down. But if it is preventing us from running effectively, if it's preventing us from running the race that God has called us to run, then we got to lay it aside. Maybe reading the newspaper. Nothing wrong with reading the newspaper, but if we spend more time reading the newspaper that we don't ever pick up the Word of God and read the Bible, that is a weight. And so God is reminding us that he has a person for us to prepare. We must continue to equip ourselves to be on mission with God, which means we must always be laying aside the waste because there are always good things may come before you, but they might not be the best thing in which you need to be giving your time and investing your time into. He tells us number two. Not only do we have to lay aside every weight, but we have to get rid of the sin. Being saved does not prevent you from sinning. But for sinning does prevent you from running the race, trips you up in the race. 
And so Paul, I mean, for this text here, Hebrews is telling us that we must lay aside every sin. It may be a sin of pride. Why? Because we are running the race looking at someone else. We are not to be looking at anyone else. We are to have our eyes on the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We are not in competition one with another. Even though the race is already fixed, we know that the victory is already won, but we must run the race that God has set before us. In other words, I must run in my lane, you must run in your lane, and I cannot try to measure myself by what God is doing in your lane. I must run the race for myself, keeping my eyes on Jesus. Because if I have done well and I look at you that who may not be doing what I perceive to be well, I may develop a life of pride. And God is saying we must get rid of the weight and the sin which so easily beset us. Pride is very dangerous. Pride is a sin that we do not want in our lives. I'm reminded of a story about this man who lived down south, deep south, and, and he would go to church every Sunday morning. The pastor would open the Word of God, preach the Holy Word of God, and every Sunday morning, this man would run down the aisle of the church. He would grab the preacher by his hand, and he would say these words, Preacher, you told them today. But one day it snowed, and nobody was able to get to church but this preacher and this man. And the pastor said to himself, I wonder what he's going to say today. True enough, he opened the Word of God, preached from the Holy Word of God. True enough, the man ran down the aisle of the church and grabbed the preacher by his hand. He said, Preacher, they should have been here today. Pride. God is saying if we're going to run this race that is laid before us, that is set before us, we have to get rid of the sin, whatever the sin may be. Because sin comes very quickly. It comes as an entrance of a thought. We entertain the thought. We examine the consequence of the thought. We begin to enjoy the thought then we enact upon the thought. But we fail to remember erosion. Now, I could be sitting home watching football, and all of a sudden, a Popeye commercial come on. All of a sudden, a thought entered my mind. Then I began to look at and examine the consequence of that thought. I say to myself, you know, you, you know, two-piece. <laughs> Breast and a wing, red beans and rice, honey for the biscuit. I enjoy the thought. I enjoy the, I look at the consequences. You know, you said, boy, you know you got a treadmill back in your office there. I look at the consequence of the thought. 
I entertained it. I examined the consequence of it. I enjoyed it. The next thing I know, I'm looking for my keys. <laughs> and I run out to Popeye Chicken. I get myself two pieces, come back home, enjoy that two-piece, take the box, go over the garbage can, kind of raise up a few trash, put the box in it, close it back up. Then all of a sudden, <clears throat> acid reflux. <laughs> Where are the toms? I knew I should have ate that chicken. That's the way sin is in our lives, to come as an entrance of a thought. And God is saying that we're going to run the race that is set before us. We must get rid of the sin, whatever the sin may be. If it's jealousy, you got to deal with it. If it's unforgiveness in your life or something that has taken place in your life and you're still bitter about it, God is saying, you got to ask me to help you to release it because forgiveness is for you. It's not for the other person. You got to get rid of the sin of unforgiveness. Whatever it is, it is stripping you up from being all that God is calling you to be, that you are not going to be as effective as you can be in running the race that is set before you. The third thing in this text, he reminds us we're going to run this race that is set before us. That yes, God, he has a plan for us. Yes, God, he has a person for us to prepare. Thirdly, God, he has a price for each of us to pay. In this text, it said, let us run with patience. Let us run with endurance. Let us run this race, this race, this struggle is the word there. This contest is the word. This agony, it is the word. Let us run this race. Let us run with patience. How do you get patient? Through your trials and through your tribulations. And God is telling us that we are not running a 100-yard meter. We're not running a 100-yard dash. We are in for a marathon, and therefore, we must run with endurance. We must learn how to deal with the pain of life and the trials of life and the struggles of life as we are obedient, running the race that God, he has called us to run, that he may develop our spiritual muscles, that we are able to handle all circumstances and all situations that we are willing to go wherever he tells us to go and we will know that he will be with us always regardless of the pain or the difficult in which we find ourselves in. You develop your spiritual muscles as my brother had already said that he got a little rest while he was in prison. But that was because of the strength of God working in his life. That is because of the spiritual muscles that God had developed in his life. And God is saying all to all of us, we got to develop spiritual muscles that we do not allow the pain of life to put us on the sideline, that he can't use us because every time a little pain comes, every time a little difficult comes in our life, we want to quit. We want to give up. He's telling us we got to run with endurance. We got to bow down. We got to train. We got to study. We got to be prepared. We got to know how what it means to walk with God in faith. 
and not depend upon our own strength, but depend upon his strength working in our hearts and our lives. Because you don't have what it takes, but he does. How are you able to do this? And the text is reminded us the only way that we are able to run this race to, with endurance is we got one thing we must always do. That is looking unto Jesus. Not looking at someone else running the lane in his or her lane. Not looking at another church and what they are doing. But your eyes is looking and fixing your eyes on Jesus. In other words, the text is telling us as you fix your eyes on Christ, you cannot have your eyes on Christ and have your eyes on other things, which means that you got to look off the distractions of life. And it's talking about putting your confidence and your faith and your strength into the work of Christ and the word of Christ and therefore looking off these other things looking unto Christ, which means when you look unto Christ, you got power to perceive. When you look unto Christ, you got power to receive. When you look unto Christ, you got power to believe. When you are doing what Christ has called you to do. Why? Because Christ is the originator. He is the perfecter of your faith. He is the one that takes your small anemic faith and you give it to God and God says, it is enough. Look. Continue to look. Continue to look unto Christ who is the author. Who is the originator? Who is the one that make your small faith complete in him? That's the only way that you're going to run with endurance. That's the only way when you look into Christ that you can bear under the weight of, of pain. Because he have already done and bear the weight and ultimately of death. So in this text, as I come to a close, the text is reminding us God, he has a plan for our lives. In this text, he is reminding us he has a person for us to prepare. In this text, he is reminding us that we got to learn how to deal with our pain. We got pain to endure. And the only way we are able to do that is because we are looking unto Jesus. Our focus is on Christ. Our focus is on being what he has called us to be and living an obedient life before him. Then one day, in this text, he tells us we're going to, we got a prize to possess. Tony Evans, in his book, America Only Hope, tells a story about a champion chess player who's on vacation in Europe. 
The champion chess player, he goes into an art gallery and began to enjoy the sculptures and all the paintings on a wall. The champion chess player walks by a particular painting and he stops. The reason why it stopped because of the painting that intrigued his heart that he was very passionate about. It was a painting of a boy, a painting of the devil, and a chessboard in the middle. The pieces were set up on the board, and the title of the painting was called Checkmate. He noticed the boy was afraid. He noticed the boy had sweat on his face. He noticed the boy had buckling knees in the book because the devil was claiming the soul of this boy. The devil was laughing, having a good time. But being a champion chess player, he looked at the pieces on the board and he put that champion stare on the pieces. And as he began to look at all of the pieces, he discovered something interesting. Then all of a sudden, he began to smile. He looked at the young boy on the painting as though the young boy was still alive, and he said to the young boy, young boy, I have good news for you. Things are not as bad as may seem because there is still one more move on the chessboard, and it's your move. If you will allow me this morning to use my sanctified imagination, that's the way I think the devil thought he had Jesus when Jesus Christ stepped out of eternity in the time, as Jesus Christ walked the dusty roads of Palestine, as Jesus Christ gave sight to the blind, healed the sick, as they marched him up a hill called Calvary, as they hung him between the heavens and the earth, as they put a crown of thorns on his head, as they nailed him, his hand and his feet, as he died on that old rugged cross, I can see in my sanctified imagination the devil said, I'm getting rid of this guy now. I'm getting rid of this man called Jesus. And Jesus hung between the heavens and the earth, and he died. And he said to his father, it is finished. I can see the devil said, I got it now. I got it now. But he failed to remember the first day of the week. Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, he stepped up out of the grave with all power in his hand, power to lay his life down, power to raise his life up again. And I can see him say, he endured the cross. Despised the shame of the ridicule of the cross. And the joy that was set before him, the joy of conquering death. The joy of purchasing our salvation. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and now sitting at the right hand of the Father called It Is Finished, ready to give you a prize. You know what? I know what your prize is before you, before I leave. I know you're in seminary. You already know, but let me just kind of share with you what I believe the prize is. In Greek culture, in ancient Greek culture, in the great Roman empires, they would run in the Colosseum. Three things they would do. When an athlete had competed according to all the rules, 
And when that athlete has won the race, they will set that athlete up in front of the crowd. And three things they would do. Number one, they would call that, that person name. Number two, they would call out that person's country. Number three, they would call out that person's family's name. I can hear Paul when he stepped out of time into eternity. I can hear Jesus saying, Oh, Paul of Tarsus, son of the living God, well done, good, faithful servant. I believe our prize is just for the master to just look at us and just say, well done, well done. Good, faithful servant. You ran the race that I set before you. Shall we pray? Father, we are grateful for another day to call upon your name. For you are worthy to be praised. You are worthy of glory. And Lord, we pray that you will continue to work in our hearts and our lives to draw us closer to you, that you may use us in such a way that, Lord, we will run the race that you have set before each of us. Thank you, Lord, for each person today in this place. We pray you'll continue blessings upon them as they live obediently according to your word. For we ask this in the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said together. Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you are thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies, we hope that you consider us. If you also find these chapel messages encouraging and a blessing to your walk with Christ, we hope that you will consider financially supporting Southeastern. Our graduates are literally serving the kingdom across this globe, working to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Your gifts will help to train more, and they will serve as a worthwhile investment in God's kingdom. You can find more information about attending Southeastern or supporting us financially at www.sebts.edu. We covet your prayers and trust that God will bless every good work you do for His glory. Thank you for joining us in our chapel services.